What's good, y'all? Welcome to Playmaker's Corner. This is the very first episode of our reformatted podcast, formerly the Cycle 365. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm one of your other co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And here we are. We're going to kick off the, I guess, the restart of the podcast or the beginning of Playmaker's Corner by talking about uh, JUCOs and more specifically JUCO players. So in this episode, we're really going to we're going to break down the career of Chad Kelly. So there's there's a lot that went down with Chad Kelly. Um, We're going to I think we're. How did we want to go about this? We're going to talk about his Juco slash freshman days first, give some backstory there, and then move on. Is that what you're Ye- thinking, Cody? Yeah. All right, sweet. So let me give some backstory on Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly, right now, he's I think he's currently in the NFL. He's listed on the roster for the Indianapolis Colts, but I'm pretty sure he was on the practice squad for a lot of last season. Um, for those of you who don't know a ton about Chad Kelly, he is the nephew of the Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. There you go. So he has really good genes and whatnot. He's he was a talented quarterback coming out of high school. He was a four-star guy. He had really good offers, actually. I'm reading it right here. He had offers to a ton, a ton of power five schools, um, which includes but is not limited to Florida, <clears throat> Alabama, Florida State. And Michigan State. He eventually chose to sign with Clemson in 2012, but it was pretty short. During the Tigers' 2014 spring game, Chad Kelly kind of got, okay, not kind of, he most definitely got in a very heated argument with one of the coaches on the sideline about a fourth down call during a spring game. And basically, he said, if you don't start me this season, because the previous season, I think his freshman year, I think he played a handful of games. Or he was in a handful of games. I don't know if he started them or not. But he said basically that if he did not start this season, then he was going to quit football entirely. And that's it. And, (laughs) well, you know, spoiler alert. But they said, okay. And then they cut him because they had a young freshman quarterback in Deshaun Watson who was sitting behind him. And you know what happened, you know, the rest there. Deshaun ended up, you know, taking the job. He played really well, went to two national championships, won one. Chad Kelly, on the other hand, went to the famed, one of the best JUCOs in the country, considered the Alabama of JUCOs, actually, Eastern Mississippi Community College, EMCC. It was featured on Last Chance U, and Chad Kelly was on Last Chance U for a little bit in that first season. I believe he made a little cameo there. Um, But while he was at EMCC, he honestly played really good. He only was there for one season. But he he killed it. He went undefeated. He put up really good numbers. Do you have those numbers pulled up, Cody? I, I got you. Yeah, I do. Okay, go for it. So Chad Kelly, he threw 47 touchdowns to just eight interceptions during his time at East Mississippi. Also won a national championship, you know, for Juco while he was there as well. Yeah. Once again, Simon brought it up. He went undefeated. And he completed 66% of his passes, completed 66% of his passes, almost threw for 4,000 yards, uh, 3,906, averaged 325.5 per game, 8.6 yards per attempt. It's also good uh, yards per attempt and only took four sacks during the entire season. So, yeah. So 
altogether, he played really well. Chad Kelly's season at East Mississippi is what every Juco player dreams of, you know? Going to a Juco for one season, balling out and playing against, honestly, probably, oh, I mean, we already knew this, significantly uh, lower talent because it is a Juco. You have a ton of guys who are, you know, cast-offs from D1s, D2s, D3s, or guys that are just walking on from local high schools and whatnot as well. And so Chad Kelly should have dominated at East Mississippi. He was, a, like I said, he was a four-star guy, and he was considered a very talented prospect coming out of high school, you know? So, but that, that's not to say it was still impressive because he played well, you know? And so now we're going to break down some of Chad Kelly's Juco film because we watched a pretty long highlight reel because he was he was just killing it while he was at Mies- sorry while he was at East Mississippi. So Cody, why don't you go ahead and tell us some of the strengths that you saw out of the 6'2", 215-pound quarterback in Chad Kelly? Well, it was pretty easy to notice right off the bat that Kelly outclassed all of his peers on the Juco level and why he was a four-star guy in the first place. His arm, I put first first off, uh, first off, um, his arm is one of the strongest that I'd seen. And you could tell that it definitely didn't belong on like a Juco setting. There is one play where he just flicked like a 40-yard pass. He didn't even step into it. He just used his arm. Like he was planted, but he didn't step into the throw. And it was a 40-yard pass down the right sideline that ended up being a score. And that blew me away just to see how such a such a effortlessly strong arm was on the JUCO level. I also want to say things that caught me by surprise that were also something that I'd look for in like an NFL quarterback was his snap count IQ, where you know he knew that how to get the other team to jump off sides and to throw it deep to whatever receiver was, you know, running the deepest route. He immediately knew how to do that and he would put the ball in a place for them to make a play. And he threw a couple of touchdowns on plays that, you know, they were guaranteed five yards, but he went for the 50. He went for the 40. He went for the 60. You know what I'm saying? So he, he had a really good IQ. I'd say at least on that level. And I'd also say that he was good at following what the play called for, if that makes sense. So, you know, at at East Mississippi, they had quite a few fake screens to wheel routes, and he did a good job of selling it with his eyes, looking at the screen before hitting that deep pass down the sideline. And they also had some plays where they would fake the wheel route down the sideline, right? So he would look there and they'd buy that because they just got burnt by it and then throw the screen pass. So whenever the play design called for him to do something, another one was like flood concepts. He did a good job of like moving east to west, you know, despite his ACL tear in 2013, he still showed some pretty good mobility. And, you know, I'd argue that he looked most coachable at the JUCO level, if that makes sense. I would actually have to agree with you there. Um, And we'll get to his incidents probably in the last segment when we're reviewing his career. But I would have to agree. 
because he looked like there are significant improvements obviously it's juco right but if you do look at his freshman film or whatever you could find of it there's not a lot but there are most definitely significant improvements and he played well he did the right thing on a lot of plays you know um and there are obviously like you were saying some things that he just naturally did well you know um was there anything else that you had for him uh strength wise or did you want me to go uh, you can go ahead. I tried to keep my strengths and weaknesses to like the three biggest ones that I saw. Uh, yeah. I think the only thing that I wanted to mention was at Clemson, that ACL tear and um, his red shirting as a freshman yes. over over at Clemson. So that and then, you know, his antics during a spring training game. And also he was smack talking the other quarterback for Clemson that he was competing with on twitter and stuff and uh no not deshaun watson at that time the other sorry the other one never mind yeah and that was also part of you know a pattern that we'll continue to see is you know him causing a distraction very distracting guy off the field but we'll talk about his weaknesses on juco here in a second simon if you want to talk about his strengths at the juco level yeah for sure so on the juke i'm gonna put this in you know in context as as we have been but on the juco level i would definitely agree that he was very focused and he looked like he was super hard working um this is kind of bad to say but in his recent football career i want to say that his one year at east mississippi at emcc was one out of I don't know five or six or seven between college and nfl where he did not get in trouble at all so to me that showed that he was focused so if i was a d1 guy looking at chad kelly that's a really good sign for me and at that time it was a good sign that maybe this dude matured a little bit because that's what juco's do to you you know it is a step down uh when you go to a juco but it humbles you in a good way and that's why you know juco's are honestly really good for a lot of people it don't get don't get it twisted though juco's won't work out for everyone but it does teach you some you know tough life lessons for sure and for chad kelly it seemed like he needed that so for me the maturity at emcc was very evident not only with his gameplay but you know with uh, some of the accomplishments you know staying out of trouble first off and then eventually winning a national championship not losing a game all that great stuff you know and so that's something that stood out to me next couple things have to do with his running ability i would say his mobility was it's always been really good um and he'll show it more in college and in the nfl but he's he's sneaky athletic low-key he's real above average he's most definitely above average athleticism wise wouldn't you say cody when it comes to a running standpoint yeah in the immortal words of his rap song uh he said like mike vick but white and while I wouldn't go as far as Mike Vick, his athleticism is very sneaky and, um, you know, definitely sure. caught me by surprise while watching film. Oh, yeah, for sure. His agility and speed were both impressive to me. On the college level, I felt like um, I-, I felt like it was pretty good. You know, when he went to the pros, I would say it became more above average because of the level of talent and athleticism that he would face. But it's pretty good. You know, like he can most definitely hurt people like on the ground, but he is disciplined enough to stay in the pocket. To, and this is another great thing about him. Uh, he was really tough, you know, just in general when he when he's running the ball or when he's throwing it. 
But anyways, he was very disciplined, staying in the pocket, taking hits, making the throws when possible. But he is not afraid to run, and he's not afraid to throw down his shoulder if it means scoring or getting an extra yard. And those are both really good things to me. Um, because honestly, his outside of the ACL injuries, because I'm pretty sure it's only really been ACL problems that Chad Kelly has had throughout his career, he really hasn't had any other injury. So that's pretty that's pretty good to me because when it comes to ACLs, you know, obviously your uh your possibility of injuring yourself once you're already injured a part of your body goes up after every injury so i don't blame him for that no but yeah so toughness and mobility for sure were really big deals um to me you know and that combined with his naturally strong arm and you know putting in the work and his and his um work ethic while at emcc all are really good signs and if, if i was a guy if i was a d1 guy you know scout or college coach that is i would be pretty impressed like there would not be a doubt in my mind that i would offer this dude a full ride honestly as soon as possible <laughs> because he is that talented and you know the maturity the growth it seemed evident at the time i would say um but yeah do you want to get into weaknesses real quick then yeah, I was just about to flip it on to you and just say, as a D1 guy, you know, what are the concerns that you have about giving Chad Kelly a full-ride scholarship, whether that's from an on-field or off-field perspective? So I'll talk on-field first. Well, I'll just talk on-field for now um, because I really don't know if there was anything off the field that concerned me while he was at EMCC for those couple months. So, yeah. But... Uh, on the field, he most definitely trusted his arm a little bit too much. And this is a pretty common weakness among uh, talented quarterbacks in general. You know, they'll trust their arm too much. And so they'll either stare down a receiver or try to fit a ball into somewhere where it shouldn't be. Or, And this is kind of another thing to add on to his toughness. But sometimes, you know, um, it's important to know when to quit on a play just because you don't want to do too much and it causes a turnover or you lose a bunch of yards, right? But there are definitely times where he was doing a little bit too much. You know, I'm not going to lie. It didn't show up on the highlight reels, you know, obviously. But in games, you could see that there were times where he was doing a little bit too much, you know, trying to run around and, you know, throw off balance or throw across his body, stuff like that. Stuff that, you know, uh, the real deal, I would say. So someone that... I had absolutely no doubts about uh, wouldn't do you know when it comes to being a prospect because a prospect that i as a d you know if i was a d1 guy a prospect that i would have no doubts about is somebody that is extremely disciplined uh from a mental aspect you know and that means being able to read a play right not just on obviously you know there are going to be plays that are scripted and you know it has to work a certain way but then there are plays where he has a little bit more free reign and he could read the defense better and i honestly felt like there were times he got a little bit lazy and tried to force balls in and sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't uh well actually honestly most of the time it worked but that's still something to keep an eye on though for sure uh just some of the undisciplined play there uh, just trusting his arm a little bit more Oh, sorry. Just trusting his arm a little bit too much, I would say. Or just actually just trusting his overall ability a little bit too much because there are also times he will not slide while he's running. And, you know, I, I respect toughness, but there's no reason to take a hard hit if it doesn't mean anything, if it's not, if it doesn't result in a touchdown, to be honest. Um, so, yeah. How about you? 
Yeah, I was gonna kind of tag on to a lot of the same things as far as like, you know, you talked about how toughness is a strength, but some strengths can also be weakness, right? Because it's like an ego thing. And I think that he would, while he didn't take that many sacks, he would still hold on to the ball for a really long time. And, you know, most of the time it ended up being harmless, but we'll see this kind of transition when, when we talk in the next segment about Ole Miss, how this becomes like a problem um, that, you know, he's, he's running around and, or he hangs in, he hangs in there too long. And like, while he can make throws, you know, 30 yard throws while he's getting hit at the Juco level, that doesn't work at the division one level. You know, I'd also say yeah. he didn't like to use his check downs that much at East Mississippi, you know? And once again, I think that that's the level of competition that he was surrounded by, but you know, that's certainly concerning when it's just like push, push, push downfield because those checkdowns are very important and they show a smart quarterback and you kind of hit on both of those. And the last thing that I was going to say is, you know, plays where he did have reads, he would look at one read and he would either throw it or he would run basically. So he yeah. was he didn't show a lot of capabilities of working high to low or low to high like I said, where he used his eyes very well, I like to say his eye usage was well by design, you know, versus he wasn't able to move safeties during plays if it wasn't called on him to do so. So just not being able to get past the first read kind of causes the rest of these problems. But certainly, you know, holding on to the ball too long, not using your checkdowns are byproducts of only being able to throw to one read most of the time you know he didn't show a lot of iq as far as reading a defense and you know honestly here i'm just gonna include this here some of those mental i want to say mental issues i i guess some of those weaknesses isn't a huge deal when scouting a juco prospect because a lot of d1 guys kind of just expect that or uh sorry a lot of d1 coaches kind of just expect like well you know he's not going to be completely perfect because if he was completely perfect he wouldn't be a, <laughs> he wouldn't be at a juco right now to be honest um and if he is then you know that's a steal but those are pretty rare to come by uh if i'm being honest and so some of those mental issues that we talked about well i get i don't want to call them mental issues iq issues how about that football iq issues those those are warranted to a degree on the juco level because i i mean at least personally i believe that when talented guys are given lesser competition to go up against you know their discipline in general just kind of goes down because they always want to go for the big play for the flashy play because it looks cool and if they could do it then they'll do it and if it works most of the time then oh you know, what's what's the problem right so i'm just throwing that out there no, but other than that, there's no doubt that this guy, Chad Kelly, was a Power 5 school for sure. You know, I, I mean, obviously his high school reel spoke for itself. And then his Juco film spoke for itself. He put up the numbers. He won a championship. He did really well. You know, and not a lot of Juco players could do that, honestly. The only other Juco quarterback that I could think of that went to a Juco for one year as a quarterback won pretty much every single game in the national championship was cam newton so is that and that's pretty good company to be honest um but yeah so that's all i gotta say about uko chad kelly all right 
Well, coming up next, we will discuss Ole Miss, Chad Kelly. Obviously, the JUCO experiment worked. Welcome back to Playmakers Corner. Here on the podcast, we're talking Chad Kelly today, and we're transitioning into his Ole Miss days. Simon, if you want to talk about some of the strengths that he showed at Ole Miss when, you know, he got his second chance at the collegiate level and what that looked like. Yeah, so uh, I'll be real. On the field, for the most part, when he was healthy, you know, because he did get injured a little bit later, but we'll talk about that then. He honestly played pretty well. Um, there were some, I, I would say there were most definitely some concerns coming out. A lot of the same concerns we talked about uh, from from the JUCO part of, uh, of his film, for sure. But he, overall, statistically, and then, you know, on the field, he just played really well. He, he was a very complete quarterback, and he was in the SEC, you know. So, obviously, Chad Kelly committed to Ole Miss in the SEC, and that's a that's a tough go, for sure. There are a few Ole Miss quarterbacks that, <laughs> that, that succeed at all, you know. Eli Manning's the only other one that comes to mind right now. And that's a pretty long time ago, <laughs> but that should say all you need to on all you need to know. So when Chad Kelly came to Ole Miss, you know he threw for more than four thousand yards, thirty-one touchdowns. the The Rebels went ten and three, and they won their last game, the bowl game, uh, the Sugar Bowl. I'm also pretty sure. Didn't they beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa as well? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they beat they beat Bama one year it's when they were ranked in the top 15 they, i think they were number okay. 15 actually so well, then that has to be this year then okay so yeah and they beat alabama which i mean i don't want to <laughs> I, I don't want to bring up all of that but from the top of my head some of the guys on that squad most definitely included minka fitzpatrick marlon humphrey and then you know a whole ton of other linebackers and defensive linemen that were first round guys you know how alabama is now, especially in Tuscaloosa, that's not an easy thing to do at all. And, you know, the fact that Chad Kelly beat Alabama, which was, I want to say, only the third or fourth other time in in history. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. But only the third or fourth other time in history that Ole Miss has beat Alabama ever. That's a pretty big deal. So, you know, the strengths for me was that he was able to adjust. You know, a lot of the same strengths, like great arm power, you know, mobility, toughness, all that applied to, I guess, to the college level of Chad Kelly for sure. You know, because it showed, I would say, like it showed statistically, it showed through wins as well when it came down to it, you know. Let's not get it twisted. Ole Miss didn't exactly have a whole ton of talent. If I remember correctly, I think Chad Kelly's best receivers were Evan Ingram, which, okay, granted, you know, I'll give him that. And then Laquan Treadwell, who is a notorious NFL draft bust as well. He Okay, I'll, I'll give him this. He was pretty good in college, but <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Because he was a bust in the NFL, it most definitely gives me the idea that Chad Kelly was the reason he did so well. You know? And you know, outside of Laquan Treadwell, I guess you could throw in Laramie Tunzel. So that's one good offensive lineman he had. But you already said Evan Ingram, right? Yeah, and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was definitely, you know, his biggest, biggest weapon for sure. Now, and maybe DK Metcalf or AJ Brown were there, but they were freshmen, so I don't really, 
don't really count that to be honest but either way he did the most in my opinion with the talent that was there at Ole Miss and it's not like Ole Miss is one of the better recruiters in the SEC so for me that said honestly that said all I needed to know about Chad Kelly strength wise you know he had a lot of the same strengths while at East Mississippi obviously but he adapted to the play of the SEC you know what I mean Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what about you? Were there any other strengths of college chat of Ole Miss Chad Kelly? So uh, I put here that I think his ball placement actually improved from Juco to Ole Miss because there are some windows that he fitted in that, you know, like you said, the SEC is more demanding and there's some great defensive backs and linebackers that can play the pass. And he did a good job, especially on routes towards the outside of the field like the, those harder throws he did a great job at leading his receivers or at least letting them have a chance to make a play on the ball because there is sometimes where his pass catchers bailed him out by catching something over a defender's head but you know there's still something to be said that they were able to make a play on the ball at all like a lot of quarterbacks can't make those throws where it's at the other defender's helmet you know and oh the receivers can make a play on it. And I think that he displayed like great chemistry with his wide receivers at Ole Miss, despite their talent level. And I think that's why they're able to succeed. And like you said, he elevated the play of others, at least through his talent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he, um, he got, he blew me away there. Uh, I put his athleticism. He looked even more athletic, even after his torn ACL, his second torn ACL, I was kind of blown away by just his burst, really, on especially read option plays and uh, quarterback powers. You know, I didn't expect six foot two, two fifteen Chad Kelly to be running quarterback powers so well and to score a lot of touchdowns on the ground, honestly. So his athleticism and my last strength to kind of pair with that athleticism was his throw on the run was mind-boggling he was able to throw perfect balls while moving to the right or moving to the left like he didn't have to plant his feet but he also showed discipline to be able to plant his feet on a dime you know and and throw a good ball uh one particular play that stood out to me for that was he was rolling out right and the cornerback was playing a flat and evan ingram took off up the field and he hit Evan Ingram in stride while sprinting, sprinting to the right to avoid the pressure for for a touchdown. And he made it look so easy, but really there's a lot more that goes into throwing on the run, especially when you're running full speed. So I was oh, yeah. definitely impressed. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I most definitely agree. Like I said, I, I feel like he's had a really good skill set to work with. But he got he most definitely improved from his Juco days for sure. Because like you said, he had much better ball placement. I feel like also he made some better decisions too. Like he wasn't as um guess as sporadic. You know, like he was much more disciplined. He played within himself. And honestly, when he played within himself, he would just take over games sometimes, you know. And there are some players who could do that for sure. Like you really can't teach. You know, like, I guess that kind of mentality of like, all right, well, I'm about to put the team on my back. And I'm just going to make whatever plays necessary to get this dub, you know, and he did it. 
and he did it consistently i felt even even before he tore his acl that second time um or third time i don't, I don't actually remember but he was there at Ole Miss for two seasons so in the second season no he tore his acl after eight or nine games but yeah um but anyways about some of the weaknesses cody that you saw while he was at college so i'd have to say that not taking from like a pro team perspective right because in the previous segment we talked from a division one perspective you know from a pro perspective not taking snaps under center was pretty concerning to watch We've seen what happens sometimes when quarterbacks don't take any snaps under center. Ugh, Paxton Lynch. And, you know, that's that's a bit concerning because it's definitely, it's different having to step back, you know, and take huge steps to get back deep in the pocket from under center versus, and even handing the ball off, right? And having to turn around to do that versus snaps at a shotgun where all the handoffs are in front of you. You know what I'm saying? So no. that was concerning. And I think that, we we see a little bit of oh we see a little bit of the effects of that later on. Um, I'm also gonna say that the torn ACL, like the second one, I I know that I just talked about how his athleticism was good, but once again, from an injury perspective, you know, two torn ACLs in four years is definitely a red flag as far as like durability goes, especially with how hard Chad Kelly plays. You know, it's something that you know, if he's still in the NFL for the next few years and he plays more, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again. Yeah. And lastly, his his decisions, he made some very head-scratching decisions with the ball that most of the time, I'd say, no, I won't say most of the time. Sometimes he got really lucky, like in that Alabama game with that deflection that probably should have been a pick off his back foot across the field turn around 180 you know yeah. like screenplay yes yeah. screenplay it was uh, just silly stuff like that and it actually cost them games down the stretch uh a lot of the time especially his last year at Ole Miss against better teams where he would he would really try and force the ball into that first or second read you know he got better at making reads but he would just force the ball really hard and um it ended up biting them in the butt and that's why Ole Miss wasn't contending for an SEC championship despite beating a team like Bama you know because he wouldn't be able to close out games as well I guess is the the proper way to say it like his weakness wasn't closing out at the collegiate level Right. Yeah. What are weaknesses you saw? Um. Well, first off, I I for sure agree with you with all of those. Um. To to piggyback kind of on the durability thing, that was most definitely. If I'm an NFL scout, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, and two ACLs like that's not for a quarterback who you know doesn't have to run a ton. To be honest, that's not the biggest concern, but. Like kind of like what I was saying with EMCC Chad Kelly. Honestly, there were times where he was very undisciplined and he wouldn't slide, but he would take unnecessary hits like almost all the time. And I, he he did a little bit, just just a little bit, a better job of protecting himself on the next level. But honestly, not enough. And that's honestly probably why he ended up tearing his ACL 
or was it a meniscus tear as well? I'm pretty sure just, it was. A I just knew that it was tear. an ACL, but it could have been also a magnet, uh, meniscus tear. Meniscus. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So it was a lateral meniscus tear along with the ACL tear. So that's even worse, to be honest. And I I feel like if he did a better job of taking care of his body and you know preserving himself throughout a game, then that may not have been such a big issue you know but durability for me as a nfl scout that's definitely an issue because you have the injuries and we already know that he's not you know he doesn't protect himself like he's pretty reckless out there so those are already two big flags together that honestly make up that durability flag for me uh so yeah and then discipline that's another thing you know i just I mean, like, he got better. Like, obviously, he had to have gotten better from his Juco days to to play the way he did, you know, in the SEC, right? Like, I feel like there's no way that this dude just stayed the same talent-wise. Um, and then, you know, put up, I guess, pretty successful stats. You know, so he definitely progressed a little bit. But I would have liked to see a little bit more discipline in that progression as well you know like you said he made some pretty head scratching decisions he was still trying to force some balls there's plenty of plays to be honest there are plenty of touchdown plays that he had where he definitely stared down that receiver and like you said the next season it showed because you know in those games that he played before he tore his meniscus and acl they went four and five so it wasn't like i mean maybe they would have made a bowl game but it it was you know it would have been one of those bowl games that didn't matter so there you go and uh yeah honestly that's really all i gotta say do you want me to go into his off the field stuff because i definitely can as well well i was just going to mention that you know as an nfl scout you know that he's a project player right that's understood that he he's going to need some work he's going to be have to be brushed up on his mental capacities right and that's something that you accept with college talent especially ones that have as good of an arm as chad kelly did or does you know however you want to say it but the off the field issues is what dropped his draft stock i'd say more than anything else yeah it most definitely dropped his draft stock by at least four or five rounds to be honest um do you want me to go into that because i definitely can do you want to just talk about his off the field things in college and then we'll talk about what he did in the pros. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I could do that because um, it's still pretty significant, to be honest. So I had to really like do the math on this. But like I said, he really only did one year at EMCC. To be honest, really only one semester at EMCC. And then he went to Ole Miss for the spring. But, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know how he did this, but he went back to Buffalo where he's from or around that area, I guess. And this was a week before he committed to Ole Miss. But this was in December. It had to have been either in December or November because there is no way, knowing the coach at EMCC, that he would have let him play with, um, oh my God, with what happened. But basically, he went up to a club. Um, or my bad, sorry. Not, club as in a local restaurant, same thing, right? And, God. He got kicked out of the restaurant initially because, you know, he was probably acting rowdy and stuff. So there you go. 
And then he ended up coming back and punching the bouncer after refusing to leave the restaurant a second time. And then he threatened to, and this is his words that I'm reading from the report right now. This is Chad Kelly's words. He said, he, he threatened them and he said, he's going to go to my car and get my AK-47 and spray this place. And then the police were called to the scene. Chad Kelly fought the cops while being removed from a pickup truck. It doesn't say whether it's his pickup truck or pickup truck or not. So, you know, there's that. And he got arrested. And this is where we could talk about privilege because he did not get charged with anything significant that I could see. And obviously he he's still alive because if a person of color were to fight to physically attack and punch cops it's game over and we all know that you should know that at least but he did it and then he committed to Ole Miss the next season or sorry the next week then he went to Ole Miss and did all of that so Jesus I don't know how he got away with that but the privilege is strong with this one here if I'm being honest because nobody else is going to get away with that even if they're white to be honest but he's also jim kelly's nephew so keep that in mind as well and then i think in his second season or around his second season oh my god i don't even know why he did this but he went back to his brother so his little brother plays high school football he went to his game and there's like i guess a late hit or something on his little brother and for some reason, Chad Kelly thought it'd be a good idea to storm the field and try to fight somebody. And he most definitely got in a fight with at least a verbal argument with the refs and then with some of the players. So imagine a young man, a 20-year-old, storming a high school football game, trying to fight a bunch of high schoolers or high school refs. And he got away with it. Based, well, okay, I wouldn't say he got away with it, but it definitely could have been worse. And... I would say those were the biggest reasons why, plus, you know, the Clemson reason that we already talked about where he visibly cussed out his his position coach or whoever on the sideline during that spring game. So all those things combined resulted in Chad Kelly getting picked last in the seventh round of the 2017 NFL draft. But he was still drafted, though, despite all of that, despite the injury concerns and yeah so there you go what do you guys say about that cody yeah i always <laughs> i was having a real <laughs> hard time trying not to laugh at the little brother one that one is probably like my favorite one as far as like just comedically like is this real you know what i'm saying like there's no way yeah. like <laughs> what i read about that i was like no because because you told me about it um sometime i think around the time when it happened and I was yeah. like, no way. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, no way. Like, what the heck is he doing? This is a college kid. This is a, this is an aspiring professional football player doing this clown stuff, right? And I think, like, I think that when he, and also just, like, that Buffalo incident, I feel like in Buffalo, he thinks that he's untouchable because yes. he's Jim Kelly's nephew. Like, that name in Buffalo is probably, like, I'd say the the best name you could have, honestly, um, yep. it, because they just like that Buffalo doesn't have like a strong other sports team because the Sabres are bad. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, for sure. And I think that, you know, there's definitely there there's that name 
privilege that he had in Buffalo. And, you know, just like there, there's speaking about white privilege, you know, there's people of color who defend themselves where where they're in danger and they feel like they need to fight for their lives against the police and they die, right? But then yeah. Chad Kelly is straight up throwing haymakers and he's still around to tell the tale. So oh. there's definitely so threatening to, you know, commit a mass shooting as well. But yeah. Yeah, we've yeah, we and we Ben knew that uh white terrorists, right? That's what it is. It's it's yes. domestic terrorism, especially or threats of domestic terrorism from Chad Kelly in this instance goes you know you don't pay for your life with that and we've seen that plenty of times in the past few years so yeah it's it's frustrating and ridiculous and spoiler alert it it still gets worse at the nfl level and um we'll talk about that here in a second simon do you have anything left on this segment yeah, real quick, when Chad Kelly rushed that field, he was a senior in college. Actually, no, he was more he was older than a senior. So imagine a 21 or 22 year old doing that. To be honest, that should probably I guess cap out where his maturity levels are. Um, or be an indicator of where his maturity levels should be capped at. Um, but yeah, that's really all I gotta say. All right. On the next segment, what's going on with Chad in the NFL? Back here on Playmaker's Corner, we're still talking Chad Kelly, and we're going to investigate what his NFL career has looked like. And I'll give you a hint. It's not great because you probably haven't seen him start a single regular season game. Just kidding. You definitely haven't. So as far as things that we've seen, this is all in preseason games. So the film's a little bit different, but also I think it's a fair way to assess his individual talent a bit more because he's not playing with first string guys. Does that sound fair, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of differences here that I've seen his ability to extend plays impressed me in the fact that when he's running around, he's still able to keep his eyes downfield a lot more than I'd even see at Ole Miss. And this was specifically Colts film that I'm in referring to. The Broncos film is a lot of the same things, but you know his ability to extend plays is really strong, and you know keep his eyes downfield. That's and that's huge, especially in the modern NFL where we're at today, where the pass rushers are just getting faster and stronger. To be able to elude them and then still make a completion is very reassuring to see out of a, a young quarterback. So, and I'd also say that he, on the field wise, grew just a little bit over the past couple of years because he was able to finally throw checkdowns and make a few multiple reads. He wasn't doing it consistent. Uh, he wasn't doing it consistently. But when he did do it, you know, I think it was successful. And he also put his running backs in a good position to succeed with the throws and checkdowns that he was making. He wasn't laying them out to die or anything like that. You know, he wasn't throwing them into traffic or into a tackle. 
you know, he gave them plenty of space to work with. So yeah. I'd say those are, I get, I get my strengths short because there's, isn't really a whole lot of film on him because his career at this point in the NFL doesn't really matter. Simon, what were some strengths that you saw from, I mean, seriously, his, his community college film was 40 minutes long of highlights, just highlights. Yeah. Then his old Miss video that we watched was like 20 minutes, I think. And it could have been longer. Yeah, and it definitely could have been longer. The NFL film that we watched, it took four videos to get up to like 15 minutes. So if that doesn't tell you the significance of Swag Kelly's career thus far and how swagless it is, then I don't know what does. Oh, oh for sure. Um... My strengths, really, I'll, I'll keep them short as well. I would have to say the mobility, and I'm saying this because he was coming off his second, third, either one. It was more than one ACL injury slash meniscus injury. That's really hard to come from, and he, here's why. Because generally when, when players, you know, tear their ACL or tear their meniscus especially if they do it multiple times in a pretty small span of time it definitely permanent permanently affects their ability to yes I, I guess their top ability to you know have really good top end speed and agility and all that stuff everything speed related movement related you know so there should have definitely been some things taken off he should have been losing i guess some of that ability right like he shouldn't have been as as mobile and as agile and to be honest as explosive as he was in the preseason to be honest he just it, it's kind of incredible he's kind of just one of those guys that just naturally they're really good athletes and they're freaks of nature and they kind of regenerate uh freakishly to a degree adrian peterson was like that for example you know after his acl injury and you know for chad kelly to go through all those injuries and still look really good mo mobility wise um that says a lot for me and just to put this out there i'm pretty sure so the year he was drafted that next preseason and you know season in general he didn't play at all because they wanted him to recover so there's that um, so really we only have one preseason um to work with uh, you know in a couple games in there so like you said there's not really a lot of film to go off of but yeah the mobility was really good and i'm just gonna throw in some intangibles for sure but he definitely took over some games um i'll buy preseason games but there are drives where he just turned it on and you could tell that he was just in the zone and no matter what you know his timing would be perfect or he would fit in really good balls and make really good decisions and whatnot and you know he there were times he was just hot and he was that dude and to be honest if he did not get in trouble he most definitely could have started for the broncos um but he didn't so yeah or any team to be honest yeah yeah want to go into these weaknesses i could start <laughs> uh if you want to start then yeah sure there's plenty to choose from because they're not really or at least mine aren't really on the field um i have like one but yeah you can go ahead and start if you want okay um i'll, I'll leave that on the field weakness to you then i think we might have the same one but if not i'll just bring it back up but yeah off the field 
he keeps getting in trouble like that whole year pretty much where he was like you know where he was redshirted in the nfl basically because he was recovering from his injury he really didn't get in trouble he kept his head low didn't do anything stupid went to rehab that's it you know um very similar to his emcc days for sure but he did eventually get in trouble because it's chad kelly and cody you might a little bit more about the details with this but basically he was arrested because he trespassed into some random guy's home after a party and he was pretty drunk as well and and like he wouldn't leave you know um am i missing anything there he literally walked in through like the front door and this was late at night and he sat down on the couch next to a mother and her child really drunk and was asked to leave several times and did not until the cops were involved yeah that's true and to be honest <laughs> okay look i don't want to slander his name and go into conspiracy theories but the fans out there look up flemlo raps and look up chad kelly because he had a really good theory about how um no maybe this wasn't the first time he came to this house but because he was drunk he didn't know better but still it doesn't justify his actions but anyways there's a lot there that just goes into how good of a person chad kelly is and you know that was pretty much the reason why he got cut by the broncos right cody yeah, he was immediately cut after that. And it was it honestly came out of time where he was in the conversation to become a starter for Denver just because of the quarterback limbo that we were in. And I you know, like you said, as far as like that year that he was redshirted, he wasn't in the conversation, right? But then he it was like, well, maybe we start uh we start Chad Kelly and we we're like, oh, is it swag Kelly time? Just because of the depth that we didn't have on the depth chart. And then we start talking about it a little bit, and what happens, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, that's the last incident actually I could find of Chad Kelly that's public for now. But you know, just also keep in mind that we've been in a pandemic as well. So he probably hasn't had the opportunity to do anything stupid yet and that sucks that I, i'm just gonna throw this out there like it kind of sucks that i'm assuming that he's gonna do something dumb but you know if he looks at his if you look at his track record like this dude's a grown man still making the same mistakes that he did in college you know and to be honest like there are most definitely there are plenty of high schoolers that would not make any of these mistakes at all in their career um, but yet Chad Kelly keeps doing it because also Chad Kelly keeps getting away with it and keep getting opportunities because he did get picked up by the Colts uh, for well that's where he is right now so yeah and then you know he a lot of the same things with the Colts like he did pretty well and whatnot but I mean you know not well enough obviously because they didn't go with him and they picked up philip rivers and there are some things to say about that as well but anyways cody did you have any more weaknesses you want to talk about before i go on well i was just gonna say in preseason work as far as on the field goes he didn't ever handle the blitz um yeah. and <laughs> he, would, he would get flustered especially i mean you'd only have to bring five or six guys and he would just his head was spinning 
that may just be from not playing a whole bunch but yeah that was so, if, if i was game planning against chad kelly i'm like okay what if i just sent an extra guy and that would solve my problem so yeah pretty much um his composure went down by a i don't want to say by a lot but there's definitely some regression there uh, for he's, sure he's less confident in his ability to play is what i think yeah, and that's another like that is definitely another weakness as well, though, you know? Yeah. And I was going to say as far as like just overall weaknesses go, you know, you talked about maturity and I'm going to flip it. These kind of go hand in hand. Right. But accountability. Right. He yes. I don't feel like he's ever held himself accountable. And I don't think that coaches have really ever held him accountable for his actions. And you know, I don't think he was punished and this could go back to him as a kid, right? Like, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Jim Kelly's nephew. And I bet he thought he was the hottest thing on the planet in Buffalo. Right. And he just kind of did whatever he wanted and got away with it. Like parent, like, bro, even if I become famous, my kid going to be humble and like mind his business. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's not for sure. Be a, a clown like Chad Kelly is. And that's why he's not a starter in the nfl by now because he doesn't know he he's never had to be held accountable in his life so he doesn't know how to hold himself accountable for his actions i'd say maybe off and on the field arguably so yeah his his accountability if he became more accountable then i think he would grow maturity wise but i just don't see that really happening yeah for sure and no, to be honest, <laughs> it's really not a huge accomplishment to be one of the biggest deals in Buffalo or Mississippi for that matter. So he really is content with being the way he is. And you made actually a really good point. Nobody's really held him accountable like that and kind of just let him do whatever he wants. Because I guarantee you, if this dude was... And I'm saying this as a person of color, but if this dude was any other color or any other person but white, he would not be in the NFL. To be honest, he probably wouldn't even have a college career. You know, um, as at least a career as successful as he had, to be honest. And yeah, I think, is it the what? undefeated that has a pretty good article on this? Yeah, that's that? what I was reading from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you if you guys haven't checked it out you guys could just look up like undefeated chad kelly white privilege and they have a really good the white privilege of chad kelly yep there it is thank you simon <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah it, it's a really good article and it's it's absolutely correct and you know i'd say that the only person who ever held him accountable was Dabo sweeney by kicking him off the clemson team and you you'd think that chad based off of what we talked about from his juco days that he learned from that and grew but it ended up just being more the same after he got out of the juco system oh for sure even Dabo sweeney though like i'm look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let this dude get off the you know get off the hook so quickly but even Dabo sweeney said that he felt like chad kelly was a good person at heart i Look, man, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that he's just an, 
an inherently terrible person. I thought that has anything to do with play because I'm just going to be honest. There are plenty of athletes who are terrible people. There are fantastic athletes. And then when, when they come, when it comes to sport, they get their stuff together. That's, that's a censored version, but Tad Kelly, on the other hand, like it, you know, he keeps getting these chances and even Dabo Sweeney, like, yeah, he did cut him, but he also still, you know, kind of gave him an endorsement as well, that which ended up, you know, and Chad Kelly parlaying that into an opportunity at the best Juco in America. So J EMCC being the best Juco in America, they have a lot of privileges that a lot of other Juco's just don't have. So for example, they could offer scholarships. I don't know if they could offer full rides or not, but it's close to full rides to a community college as you could get. So it's not like that's a, you know, a whole ton, but basically he went there for free. It could offer the best facilities or arguably the best facilities out of a lot of JUCOs in America, at least top 10 facilities, I would say for sure, no doubt. They have dorms because some JUCOs don't have dorms at all for their athletes. They have meal plans, like multiple meals a day meal plans. And if I'm just being honest, you know, EMCC in my opinion, is definitely comparable to an FCS D1 school. Um, it's honestly better than a lot of D than most D2 schools. So with all that, you know, considered, Chad Kelly, even though he did go to a JUCO, he still went to the best one in America, which shows, you know, his privilege, to be honest. Yeah. So, Simon, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit where... I believe that once he becomes accountable, he will grow in maturity and potentially have a shot in the NFL. What do you think is something that Chad Kelly has to do, whether that's the same thing or in addition to becoming or even having a shot at playing quarterback in a real NFL game? Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question. And I'm going to come off with a pretty strong opinion, but I think it needs to be said. Because, you know, this podcast is for, you know, younger athletes out there that want to learn from Chad Kelly. So, yeah, but I'm going to answer your question first. I think the biggest thing for him is that he needs to grow up. You know, like, dude, you're 25, but you still act like you're 14. You no, know? that's a big 10 year mental gap. And that's unacceptable. You need to grow up and like, grow up. Stop acting like an idiot stop going out and literally anytime you go out having an incident in quote in air quotation marks and you know hold yourself accountable you know and i know it's hard to hold himself accountable when when nobody else is but honestly i do kind of believe that chad kelly needs to grow up surround himself with people who are going to tell him straight up like hey you need to grow up like you need to stop acting like a baby and you need to actually act like an adult you're in the nfl you have a job you have a great opportunity but you're wasting it and even though nobody's gonna take away that opportunity just yet just know that your clock is on that your career you know it's like that clock is pretty close to being um spent up to be honest so it needs to grow up for sure that's the biggest thing you know and in all aspects in all aspects i would say off the field first because 
you know, that's, you know, that's just him holding himself a- accountable. And then on the field as well, he needs to get more disciplined. He needs to really dive into the playbook. He needs to study. He's with the Colts right now, so he needs to. I would love to see him go to Phillip Rivers and, you know, learn from Phillip Rivers, learn from a legend, learn from Jacoby Brissett as well, because he could definitely learn a lot of maturity skills from Jacoby Brissett, Brissett to be honest. And yeah, he, he needs to have a. I don't know. He just has to be a learner, be a student of the game. You know, that comes with a lot of maturity. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for sure. And and here's my strong opinion, because personally, I don't think he could do it. Well, and if he does, cool. I'm happy for him. You know, I want this guy to succeed. I really do want him to succeed. You know, I want him to get better. I want him to be one of those stories where it's like, yeah, I was an idiot and I was given a million chances, but. I ultimately made something out of it. Personally, I would still be a little peeved off because of the privilege and all that for sure. But it would be cool to see him grow up and to actually be successful in life. You know? And that's that's something I genuinely want to see. Do I think he can? Do I think there are people around him that can help him get there? No. Not at all. And to be honest, I think it would take him a really long time to find him a circle of friends or a circle of mentors that's a really good rule oh uh, sorry that's a really good word but yeah a circle of mentors a circle a good support group that could realistically check him and check him hard every time he even comes close to making a bad decision like like what he has been and continues to do um so yeah is that a little bit too tough like do you think i'm on the mark off the mark with that I don't think that there's such a thing as too tough for Chad Kelly after all that he's done. Okay. Because, I mean, look, every other, I'd say like every other resource has probably been exhausted, you know, and the people who have probably tried to help him are also exhausted. And, you know, he need, he really does need to take it upon himself in order to grow. And if he doesn't, then, which he hasn't, right? Like, we look at things that are consistent from all the way back in the day, from Clemson to now, and you see the same things and the same patterns and the same, like, attempts to solve them all not working, then, yeah, it's it's really on him. And I don't think that it's too tough. And that he needs some tough love, if that's, like, what it takes. You know, that somebody has to like snap him back into existence i think because he's just not uh serviceable at i wouldn't say really anything honestly just because of how dysfunctional he is and how selfish he is so yeah and oh I yeah agree. It's, that that's that's teenager stuff you know there's a the world is bigger than you chad kelly that's what i have to say hopefully oh, he doesn't no doubt what were you gonna say <laughs> i i decided not to i decided not to <laughs> okay okay hopefully um, he doesn't yeah. walk into my house after this show <laughs> yeah. oh, be thank goodness he's in indie now yeah <laughs> yeah no for sure but there are definitely lessons to learn from chad kelly um i already said a couple more cody what do you think are some lessons that some of these younger athletes out there could learn from Chad Kelly. 
you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have discipline, you're not going anywhere. Oh. We've we've seen this story play out many different times over many different athletes' careers and the sudden end of them or the almost end of them. If you don't control yourself and you don't know, I'd say just self-control and discipline specifically, you could throw the football from one end of the field to the other. And people will try to make it work. They'll try to make it work. But until you are also going to reciprocate that and try and make it work, you won't go anywhere. I'd say that's 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 the stop for advice from the Kelly implosion on the first episode of Playmaker's Corner. Yeah, hey, I love it, you know, and you know, <laughs> Chad Kelly's implosion is still in progress. So, so we'll see until until it starts changing. But, you know, see, no, I totally agree. You know, discipline is key. There are plenty of coaches out there that would rather take a player that is extremely disciplined and smart as well over, you know, a player that may yet be as naturally talented like a Chad Kelly. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, talent, like, well, physical talent, that is, it definitely fades away. As you get older, you know, you just, you don't throw the same, you don't run the same, or if you do, it hurts. <laughs> but if you're disciplined and if you're smart, you could most definitely prolong your career ha- as long as you need it to be. You know, and this doesn't mean that you have to go pro or that it guarantees you going pro, but being a disciplined player and being a good player, a hardworking one for sure, most definitely at least get you an opportunity to go to college potentially for free or to go somewhere free and you know there's a bunch of opportunities with that as well so yeah and i'm just gonna throw this out there i'm just gonna be honest with you man most players they did what chad kelly did in that clemson spring game they will not have another opportunity even go back to college Maybe even, okay, they will probably have an opportunity to go to a JUCO. But even to go back to a D1 or D2 or, or an even an FCS school, you know, like, I feel like a lot of players wouldn't even get that chance to go back. Yeah, probably and, not. Yeah, you know, because it was pretty bad. Like, it wasn't like it was a small, like, argument. Like, I'm pretty sure Chad Kelly threw something at the dude. So, Loki probably could have pressed assault charges, but he didn't. So... There you go. That's the Chad Kelly story. Could have pressed charges, but didn't. Everyone could have pressed charges, but didn't. But yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, just for the young athletes out there, this is an excellent example of somebody who had all the talent in the world. You know, this is a really small exception, but had all the talent in the world, but he just didn't work out, you know? And if it wasn't for his privilege, oh, he would probably be bagging groceries somewhere or... Or, I don't know, doing something for minimum wage. So, but because he is a Kelly, because, let's just be real, because he's white, you know, he got away with it and continues to get away with it and continues to get second, third, fourth, and 100th chances. Just know that, you know, if you're an athlete and you do some of, even any of these same things that Chad Kelly did, your career is, to be honest, most likely over or close to over. Yeah, that is my advice in this first episode of Playmaker's Corner. Be disciplined. Be, don't be an idiot. <laughs> Simple as Enough that. You know? In the great words of Michael Scott, to Dwight Troop, just don't be an idiot. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, man. 
<laughs> is that, Less facts, though. Is that um, all we got for this episode? Yeah, I feel like that's a good way of wrapping it up here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us in the first episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Be on the lookout for more episodes as we continue into this journey of Juco and what it looks like. We will have some Last Chance U reviews going up for you. Go ahead and find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I am Cody Stoffer. And I am Simon Vianos. Catch you next time. Peace.